ويوم يعض الظالم على يديه يقول يا ليتني اتخذت مع الرسول سبيلا يا ويلتا ليتني لم اتخذ فلانا خليلا لقد اضلني عن الذكر بعد اذ جاءني وكان الشيطان للانسان خذولا وقال الرسول يا رب ان قوم اتخذوا هذا القران مهجورا وكذلك جعلنا لكل نبي عدوا من المجرمين وكفى بربك هاديا ونصيرا صدق الله العظيم beloved Elders and brothers, mothers and sisters, dear listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He not deprive us from the blessings of the Quran because of our sins. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He, out of His immense mercy and grace, allows us all to be uh, connected uh, with the words of the Quran, with the meanings of the Quran, with the injunctions of, of the Quran. And may He allow us all to benefit from its blessings in every sense of the word. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us every time we sit with the Qur'an to find uh, solace, comfort, and solutions to our problems. May Allah azza wa allow us all to enjoy the company of the blessed Qur'an. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. We are, um, inshallah, starting here on the, from the, in the 19th juz, from Surah Furqan, ayah number 25. Allah azza wa last week we ended on uh, the note of how the people of Jannah will have a much better place to rest during the day and rest during the night. Per se, in this world, from the worldly sense, you have a place of to take in a siesta. If you remember, maqila. And then mustaqarran is your long-term residence where you have reside with your family. And maqila is usually on your own. So Allah Azza wa Jal, we ended on that positive note after mentioning uh, the, uh, the harshness, the, harsh, uh, the ending of those who did not have faith and those who uh, did actions without iman, how everything will become dust. Now, Allah Azza wa Jal mentions the Day of Judgment and then some scenes from it. The Day of Hereafter. What day is that? The Day the Day of Judgment. When the heaven splits asunder. In the midst of clouds. And the angels are sent down in descending waves. Okay, so they, they had, disbelievers had asked to be able to witness and see angels. They are very excited about that. Allah Azza wa Jal says, you will see angels, but you will see it on my terms. You will see angels at a time and a place of my wish. And at that time when you see them, you will wish you had never had to see them. This will be the time when the, the day of judgment will be uh, coming, the trumpet will be blown, and everything above us will be, will be falling apart, and everything below us will be falling apart. Sama is referring to what is above us? Whatever is above us is the sama. We'll see Allah Azza wa Jalla what He's built above us. We see that there is no, uh, there is there is no gaps in it. There are no there are no flaws in it. 
as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Al-Mulk that فَانْظُرْ تَبَارَكَ الَّذِي بِيَدِهِ الْمُلْكُ وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شِيْنٍ قَدِيرٍ الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسُنُ عَمَلَهُ الْعَزِيزُ الْغَفُورُ الَّذِي خَلَقَ سَبْعَ سَبْعَ سَمَاوَاتٍ طِبَاقًا مَا تَرَى فِي خَلْقِ الرَّحْمَنِ مِنْ تَفَاوُتٍ You'll see no difference, no flaw in the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فَرْجِعِ الْبَصَرَ كَرَّتَيْنِ in how they present to you something. So then you say, maybe, you know, this is a trick you're doing. And I'm not able to really grab and grasp exactly what you're showing. Allah says, we're not in any hurry. Go ahead and look again at the sky. Farji al-basar, right? Go look at the sky again. Focus. Try to find fault in it. You will get tired. Your eyes will hurt. You'll realize a whole day was spent wasting without having achieved anything. You're not going to find flaws in it. Subhanallah. Amazing. Like who else besides Allah can say that? No human being, never, never can a human being ever say something like this. That I have made something 100% flawless. That there is no possibility of any mistake to be found in it now nor in the future. Right? This is only Allah Azza wa Jal, Al Khaliq, Al Bari. Who has the ability uh, to say something of that sort? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions regarding the heavens and the earth. He says, In Allah, what's written on top of the dome, same ayah from Surah Fatir. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is holding up the heavens and the earth from falling. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were to allow them to fall and he come out of place, in min who can besides Allah put them back into place? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows the universe to spin out of control. Who can really put it back? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a moment allows the waves to raise high, all right, rise high up. When Allah for a moment allows the earth to shake, not, we're not talking about minutes, we're not talking about hours, we're talking about seconds. Look at the path of destruction. How we are reeling from the floods and earthquakes of just you know, two weeks or uh, ten days now. Uh, thousands and thousands of, uh, have passed away. For how long, how long did this happen? Matter of seconds, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows the part of the earth to shake. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows a portion of the earth from above which the oceans lie to shake. It triggers a whole tsunami. And no, no man-made structure can handle that. No matter how strong you make it. When Allah, it just depends how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cranks it up. But if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just cranks it even a little bit, no human-made structure can handle, handle that. This is... What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if heavens and earth are running in the way they do because I have asked them to do so. And if I allow them to kind of spin out of control, so if I may call it that, then who has the ability to bring it back in control? No one does. Then what's happening? How come vast majority of the time, vast majority of the countries and the vast majority of citizens of those countries live in peace, relative peace with nature? Because, إِنَّهُ كَانَ حَلِيمًا غَفُورًا Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forbearing, and forgiving. That is why he does not take us to task for what we deserve. But instead keeps on letting it slip, letting it slide. Another place in Surah Hajj, Allah says, He's holding up the heavens from falling upon the earth with his permission. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Inshiqaq, إِذَا السَّمَاءٌ شَقَّتْ When the heavens will split asunder. وَأَذِنَتْ لِرَبِّهَا وَحُقَّتْ And they will listen. أَذِنَ To listen. This heaven, the sky, the heavens will listen to their Lord. Right? What does that mean? Adhinat means simply 
does heaven, the sky has to hear the hukum of Allah and immediately it will, it will go into action. You don't need to tell the heavens twice. You don't need to jolt it. You don't need to cajole it. Right? Simply, I want this to happen now. And done. Because the only reason the heavens is in its place is because Allah asked. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, says, move. And the heaven says, okay, we'll move. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, a day will come when the, the heavens will split. And what will become apparent, that what will happen? The, uh, in the midst of clouds, the whole sky will split. And then you will see, Nuzila al-malaikatu tanzila, large groups of angels descending. Right? Uh, so, why are they descending? Because they're, they're, this is, you know, when the show is over. What happens when the show is over? Everyone rushes. You go to a shadi uh, or go to any other event. When the show is over, all the employees come in of the, of the banquet hall and they start wrapping things up. Right? Everywhere. Come, come, let's go. They start wrapping things up quickly. Within 15, 20 minutes, it doesn't look like there was an event took place there. Any type of tent outside you have, any type of event, the workers will come at the end and just clean up everything. So the angels are coming. Now we're going to set up the day of judgment. So we are going to actively be involved in setting up the uh, the the place of judgment in front of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Al mulku al-Rahman. True dominion on that day belongs to the All Merciful alone. al-Kafirina Thus shall it be for all the disbelievers an exceedingly hard day. Okay. So in in this world, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has made us. Somewhat in charge of our affairs. And that is why it says here, a true dominion that day. True dominion this day, today, yesterday, and tomorrow also belongs to Allah. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us to fall into deception, thinking that I am in control of my home. I am in control of my business. I am in control of my country. I am in control of my affairs. I am in control of the affairs of my children. In reality, none of us are in control of anything. Honestly speaking, right? We're not. Uh, well, you don't have a control. When if the car wants to die out, it'll die on us. When the, when the house, when something wants to stop working in our home, what can you do? No matter how expensive a home or how expensive a car you have. The day it's, once something needs to break down, it will break down. And no matter how much, with how much love you have raised your child, when that child, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows that child to become a backstabber, no one can stop that child. No one can rectify the child. No matter how much you beg and you say, remind them of all the blessings you have showered upon him or her, it's falling on deaf ears. Unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants otherwise. There's no control. Really, there's no control about anything we have. We don't have control over our stomach. When do we have a stomach ache? When do, ha- when do we have constipation? When do we have uh, you know, a, a diarrhea? No control. Anytime. When is your eye going to hurt? When is your ear going to hurt? We don't know. It's just amazing to think about how these multi-billion dollar medical universities run and these multi-billion dollar research hospitals run and how many billion dollar pharmaceuticals run and how these multi-million dollar libraries of medical books run and the thousands and thousands of research institutions and companies run. Think about all the salaries of all the nurses and all the medical care uh, staff and then of all the physicians and all the specialists. SubhanAllah, so much economy, so much wealth is, is being created, is being shared on the basis of what? Of this one small human body. This one ear provides so much money in the world. This one small eye provides so many thousands and thousands of jobs. So many thousands, billions of dollars coming through the barakah of one eye that possibly has this problem or that problem or this problem or that problem. Similarly, every single, from the nails to the skin 
to the to the to different types of blood cells, you name it, any every single portion, the hair, the absence of it, the presence of it, and so forth. All of that creates a massive industry. This is yani, the power of Allah, how He has created one human being, and with that, from the time the child from before the child is born, all the way till after death, a massive, massive business. The whole world's running on that. So with all that business, that a person makes us realize how dependent we are on one another. If we had control, why do we need anyone to look at our eye or our ears or hands or feet? We should take care of it. But we know how it is. The, uh, the, uh, even the eye doctor, if he's got pain in the eye, he'll have to go to another doctor. Or if he's got pain in his foot, he's not going to do it himself. He's going to go to a, a podiatrist like that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this world has allowed us to think that we have power. But a time and place is coming called the day of judgment. When it will become quite apparent to every single person, a believer or a disbeliever of Allah in this world, that truly all power and might belongs only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We did in Surah Al-Kahf. Over there it will become apparent that absolute power and wilaya belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, the true Allah azza wa jal. One example you can think of it is, in this world Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing us to uh, to think that we're running the world as though a child who's, who, who's sitting in his father's lap, for example, and he's got his hands on the steering wheel. And he's allowed to think that in the cul-de-sac or in the driveway, he's driving the car. Or a father and son who are flying a kite. And uh, as they're flying the kite, the son, the little toddler is holding onto uh, you know, the thread and he's thinking that, um, that I've, I've, the small, uh, this, this small little hands of mine are controlling this uh, 500 feet high kite but all he is uh, doing is that he's holding onto the string while the father is the one who's actually uh, guiding it so this dunya is like that Allah has allowed us to hold onto the steering wheel and we, have, we think we're running, the play, we're running our affairs but the brake pedal and the acceleration our feet, our little teeny tiny feet don't even reach that right? we don't even understand how to even put the car into proper gear a little child, how's he gonna do? So the day of judgment is a place where it will become all apparent that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has control. Hence Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Malik al mulk. Say, O Allah, Malik al mulk, the king of all kingdoms. Tu'til mulka man tasha. You choose to give kingdom to whoever you wish. And you choose to snatch away kingdom from whomsoever you wish. And you give honor to whomsoever you ever wish. And you disgrace whomsoever you wish. Indeed, in your hands is all goodness. Indeed, you're all, all powerful over everything. So, in this dunya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us some power. However, um, what is milk? One is milk and one is mulk. Mulk is um, you own something properly, right? Every single thing, you, whichever you fully own, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives, is called mulk. Milk is uh, what you have for a little bit, like your clothes, right? You're, this is my milkiyah, uh, my pen, etc. And so that's milkiyah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when it comes to milk or mulk, He is the one who spreads it and gives it out in this dunya and He snatches it away from whomsoever. He wishes. Hence he mentions Surah Al-Ghafir. Allah says, Limanil mulkul You've heard this ayah many times being recited. Limanil mulkul Allah after completely destroying and annihilating every single thing that we are aware of and what we are not aware of, what we can see and what we cannot see. And heavens and the earth and everything is between. And it will be absolute. Just imagine when he becomes, if, it, if a room grows silent right now, it feels so eerie and awkward. 20 people in a room. And you just become silent. 
it becomes eerie and awkward. Imagine with all the trillions upon trillions of makhluqat and creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when all will be destroyed, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will call out, To whom does the kingdom belong today? And there will be no response. Because there's no one there to respond. Allah will ask into empty vast space, right? Who, to whom does the kingdom belong? You know when they say, who's going to have the last laugh? Subhanallah. Right? Seriously, who, who is the one who's going to have the last say? Besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. لِمَنِ الْمُلْكَ الْيَوْمِ لِلَّهِ الْوَاحِدِ الْقَهَارِ Since no one is answering, I guess we will answer ourselves. لِلَّهِ الْوَاحِدِ الْقَهَارِ To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one, the all-powerful. That's it. That's the answer. No one else is... He has the ability. If he had an if he had an opportunity, if he had the ability to answer, this is the time. Come up right now and say it. it's me. But there is no mu'aril. There is no one who's going to stand up in front of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to say I have uh, some some say, some share in this. My beloved listeners, if this is the case, then what is the point of us disobeying Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to please someone else? When you know at the end of the day, the, the absolute owner of this entire world and whatever it contains is Allah. Why do I find myself, why do we find ourselves making mistakes, making major mistakes in order to please the people of the world at the cost of displeasing Allah? It's not a very smart move, is it? When at the end, it's only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you and I have to face. And everyone else will come to an end. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Al-Mulku Al-Haq. What does Al-Haq mean? Haq means something which is thabit, something which is firm, something which doesn't change. That's called haq. Alright? So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning to us here that He, this, uh, the uh, true dominion which will never come to an end now. Not like today I'm, I'm winning, tomorrow you might win. No, it doesn't work like that. The true dominion that in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He's gonna have and He will never, He never gave it up actually. But it seemed like that he did. Because this dunya, what happens? You see the oppressors become more powerful. And the oppressed ones suffer even more. Doesn't that, then do we see that every single day? Every single day. Look at what, just seeing the suffering of the Muslims. Within the communities, so all these people are suffering. And it seems like you're not even, if you are oppressed, if you're being oppressed, you, you're, they don't even give you permission to make noise. They say, just die quietly. Don't even make a noise. You know, like you're slaughtering an animal, and you know you're getting mad at the animal. Why the blood from the animal came upon your clothes? That's the condition of the ummah today. That's the condition of the people who are on the haq that we will chop you up from all pieces, but make sure you go down quiet. Don't even splash any blood of yours upon us, or else we're going to blame you for that and charge you for that, and you have to pay for the next twenty years. That why we got we had our hands became bloody because of you. That's the dunya right now. So when a person sees that, they say, where's Allah? Isn't that the question? When is the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming? Why is this happening? Well, the answer is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this place a darul imtihan, a place of imtihan. If all the people who are righteous are the ones who are going to be winning, people of haq are always winning, and the people of falsehood are always, always losing, then who would choose to be from amongst the group of falsehood? There would be no imtihan. To remind yourself, that Allah is there. Allah is watching. Allah is all hearing. Wallahi, He is. That's why you exist and I exist. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has His plan. When, they, uh, when, they pull, when the cop call, car pulls up, you know, when they choose to go after someone, what happens? 
As soon as you make an infraction or you break a speed uh, limit or you break a law, a traffic law, they don't necessarily pull you over. They're running your plates. Then they're adding up a whole bunch of different things, you know, depending on the mood of the person. And they've got a whole dossier against you now, right? And then, the, then they pull you over and then stop that. You know how all the whole process works many times. You have people who are, who are used that as a fishing expedition and this and that. Try to create a bigger case. This is what, this is, what is happening. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not pull a person over on the first mistake. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lets him go, lets him go, lets him go. See how far you go. He's right behind you. Right in front, center, right, left, above, everywhere. No one knows the army of Allah. The road is the army of Allah. The car is the army of Allah. The, the stoplight is the army of Allah. Every single plant and every single blade of grass you're passing by is the army of Allah. All the cars around you are the army of Allah. Every single thing is part of the army of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all are watching in this example. So the only reason a person is not being pulled over is because we're counting how many infractions, we're counting how many mistakes he makes, we're counting how many laws he breaks. And then eventually when this pull over, there's no running. There's nowhere to hide, nowhere to run, no way to defend yourself. You can defend yourself against one, one case, two case, but if you've got 200, 300 different things a person has committed, you know, you're gonna get you on one thing or the other. This is the same famous thing they do with criminals. Alright? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ رَبَّكَ لَبِالْمِرْصَادِ Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is waiting Mirsad is a place where you wait in ambush. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is waiting in ambush. Allah is waiting, looking. Just because you don't get, someone doesn't get in trouble, don't think he missed Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was not able to catch him. I, right? That's not going to happen. All is being uh, very meticulously watched and recorded. As Allah says, لا يضل ربي ولا ينسى أحصاه الله your Lord doesn't, my Lord doesn't be, is, will never forget, is never misled. Allah remembers everything. But people have forgotten. Allah remembers. What mistakes have you and I made at the age of 16, 18, 19? Which salah did we miss at what day? What time did we listen to something which we shouldn't have? Eavesdropped somewhere, backbited someone, looked at something we should not have, said something we should not have, took something that we should not have. Who remembers that? Honestly speaking, who amongst you remembers? For the past 25 years, what mistakes have we committed? We can't remember from this morning. We can't remember from last night. Allah doesn't forget. Allah says, I remember all of that, although you may have forgotten it. So that's all being added up against us. And that is haqq. That, that's what we're talking about. The kingdom of haqq is, belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the kingdom will never be taken away from Allah. It will always was there and it will always will be for Him. And this will be a very difficult, exceedingly hard day for the disbelievers. Right. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala noticed this. He says something so beautiful. True dominion that day belongs to who? He could have said all from the th hundreds of names of Allah, even more than the 99. More names than that as well. Some have 99, some have some 99, but different ones. So there's more than 99. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have used anything. But look what He uses here, Rahman. Isn't this amazing? That to give hope, yeah, you, today you feel like no one's listening to you. You are screaming, please listen to me. I am on haq. I am being marginalized. I am being uh, ridiculed. I am being falsely accused. This is all fake and false. And no one wants to listen. No one has got time. No one, has got, no one wants to pay attention. No one feels that you have, uh, what you call, uh, some any moral standing. It happens all the time in the dunya. Bichara, the person who's like the most truthful person, everyone pushes him away. That's the dunya. Allah Azza wa is telling those people, Rahman, you have, a, you have an appointment 
with Rahman. Today, no one's listening to you, no one cares for you, don't worry about it. The most, most merciful, you will have your day in court with the most merciful. This is a beautiful ayah for every single person who is oppressed today, whose mom and dad were oppressed, whose siblings were oppressed, whose children have been oppressed, whose spouse has been oppressed, right? It's, it's, it's solace and comfort. That a day, ultimate dominion will belong to Allah. No one will come and mess the courts. No one can come and bribe the judges. No one can come and fire the judge before he's about to make a judgment regarding against someone. That's what happens today. Everything is bought and sold at, a, at, a, at some price point or another. But there's a time and place. There's no buying and selling. No friendship and no intercession. And it will only be Allah. Even the munkar and nakir, the angels of death that we... We may have spoken about it last week, right? In the grave, Munkar and Nakir. They don't know anyone and no one knows them. They say, we have, don't even try to do any icebreakers with us. We don't know you, you don't know us. Don't even try to get to know us. That's their name, Munkar and Nakir. Unknown. Un, the most unfriendly. Most unknown have nothing to do with their client. You know, usually you try to break the ice by saying something. Oh, you probably know my dad. You probably know this, you probably know that. Munkar Nakia said, no, we don't need to know anyone. We don't, we're not going to even talk about that. Let's talk about this. May Allah make that day easy for all of us. And may He inspire us to answer those questions properly. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. But subhanAllah, so th- there is a, a Rahman will come on the Day of Judgment. And that all those who suffered, they'll have their opportunity to get their, uh, their jaza back. They'll to get their reward back. And then, always, whenever we have mercy, we have also... The, the, the aspect of Allah being just and, and willing to punish when He needs to. That's also mentioned in the same verse. Just because Allah is Rahman doesn't mean He's going to give, you know, let the disbelievers slide. It's part of the Rahmah of Allah that the disbelievers be punished. Because then what's the point for the believers? If you followed all the laws and rules, you watched what you ate, what you, where, you, what you, where you sat, where you slept, who you communicated with, who you interacted with, and how, you were so careful, you put yourself through so much difficulty, and another person didn't do any of that, and both of you have the same akhirah, that's not nice for you. That is not merciful for you. So it's part of Allah's mercy upon the believers, that those who disbelieved in Him, and those who broke those rules, they will have to face the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let's talk about how that punishment and what forms it will come in. A day when the godless wrongdoer shall bite his very hands in regret, saying, Ya laytani, oh, if only I had taken sabilan a path towards salvation, rasuli with the messenger. This is the day when the, the sky will split asunder. Angels will be descending. This is that day that Allah, you'll have your day in court with Allah, the most merciful, and who will own, fully own, and will make it very apparent that He owns the, the world. I mean, the, 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 the entire worlds. And it's a day that will be very difficult for the disbelievers. And it's also a day when the wrongdoers shall bite their very own hands in regret. And what else, what else will they say? Ya waylata, oh woe to me, laytani lam attakhith fulanan khalila. If only I had not taken such a one who disbelieved for an intimate friend. Khalilan, intimate friend. Fulanan, that guy, that person. We don't want to say his name. That's how angry we are. But who was he? He was a disbeliever. He was a sinful person. I, only, I wish I had not taken this person as my friend. 
What did he do? لَقَدْ أَضَلَّنِي عَنِ الذِّكْرِ Very truly, لَقَدْ Very truly أَضَلَّ يُضِلْ He has misled me. Ni means me. He has misled me from dalal. He has misled me. An from الذِّكْر The remembrance. Remembrance referring to the Qur'an. Remembrance referring to Rasulullah sallallahu When? بَعْدَ إِذْ جَأَنِي After إِذْ جَأَنِي It had come to me. The Qur'an or the remembrance of Rasulullah sallallahu The Rasulullah's message was in my hands. And then he forced me to let it go. وَكَانَ الشَّيْطَانُ الْإِنسَانِ خَذُولَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, this is not the statement of the disbeliever, this is rather Allah's statement. And indeed, for shaitan has ever been deserting of humankind, indeed. خُذْلَان is to, to be a biggest backstabber, right at the moment the runaway, right? So خُذْلَان, shaitan is the one who always, you know, deserts human beings whenever they are uh, in, a, in a difficult situation, he runs away. Okay, so let's focus on, the, on, the, on these ayat here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is mentioning here, remember that day, that day when a man will go through such levels of different levels of pain, suffering, psychological suffering, and physical suffering. Besides the physical suffering, the psychological suffering is the, the sense of guilt. Any of us who have gone through an emotion of guilt, know how bad that is. It's so bad that many times people end up taking their own life. That's how powerful the emotion of guilt is. Because it gnaws at you. It eats you up alive. You're sitting right here. No one can see what you're going through. But inside, you're on fire. It's like someone is taking, uh, you know, sh- uh, shredding your body into pieces. That's how powerful nadama could be. And we don't need to give examples. You can all think of examples of your own life or horrific scenarios where something has happened and now you feel uh, guilty and you feel remorse over why did I do that? Why did I slip? Why did I make that mistake? Oh my God, what am I supposed to do? And you, you, no one can understand those emotions besides the one who is actually going through it. Everyone will say, it's okay. Sorry, right. come on, you look okay. And he's not okay. He's about to literally yani, break down. He's about to take his life. He's about to lose his mind out of the intensity of nadama, remorse. And that's why the Quran calls the day of judgment the day of remorse. Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَأَنذِرْهُمْ يَوْمَ الْحَسْرَةِ وَأَنذِرْهُمْ يَكَسَرَةِ What a jeep, powerful words. وَأَنذِرْهُمْ يَوْمَ الْحَسْرَةِ إِذْ قُضِيَ الْأَمْرِ Warn them, warn them, forewarn them of the day of absolute remorse. This is the name, day, the name of a day of judgment, is the day of remorse. إِذْ قُضِيَ الْأَمْرِ When the decision will have been made final. Look what happens, man, when someone says, you're rejected from, from this college, you're rejected from this job, you're rejected from this proposal, marriage proposal, you're rejected from fulan, fulan. You'll see the signs of, 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 of sadness t- overtaking a person. But there's always a chance, okay, let me call this one, let me call that one, let me try this way, let me try that way. On the day of judgment, we know you cannot go back and forth. Allah is not someone you can approach Him again. On the day of judgment, we're talking about. To say, ya Allah, could you reconsider? There's no reconsidering here. There's no changing of anything. Decision has been made. Nothing will change in my court. What, uh, what has been said will never change. You will never find the sunnah of Allah to be changing. And the sunnah of Allah is, once He decrees something, it's set. There's nothing in the world that can ever change that destiny. And so if a person is destined to go to Jannah, a person is destined to go to Jahannam, that cannot change. So when that, when that will happen, when he will realize that my destiny, Allah forbid, is set towards hellfire, 
And that time he will feel so much remorse that there, the world cannot explain that. If death was still around, he would die definitely out of remorse. Just out of remorse, without anything else. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls this the day of remorse. Something to really think about. So this is the day when a man is usually when you're nervous, you bite on your fingernails. A person is not going to be biting on his fingernails. He will not be biting on his finger, fingertips. He will be biting not on his hand, but both hands. He will be chewing both hands. Because he'll have no realization, of course, of what he's doing. He could care less if his hands don't get chewed up by even a shredder or some big machine. What, what he's looking at? He's looking at hellfire. You see people when they're, when they're given a sentence of death, when they're given a sentence of life imprisonment or two life imprisonments. What happens? You see the face changes. Realization. And many times they doesn't. Maybe you'll say a psychopath or whatnot. Because he simply doesn't realize. Doesn't have the capacity to realize where he's headed. But in front, وَبُرِّزَتِ الْجَحِيمُ لِلْغَاوِينَ When Jahannam is brought right in front, and a person knows exactly where he's headed forever, words cannot describe the remorse and the feeling of anxiety that this man, may Allah protect us from being in that situation, will have to face. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes this powerful a scene that the day when the wrongdoer shall bite his very both hands. Zalim. What type, what, what, who is the zalim? What did he do? The biggest zalim is the one who makes zulm on himself. Right? He makes zulm on himself by denying the existence of Allah, by disbelieving in Allah, by denying the, uh, the veracity of the Quran, by denying the prophethood of Rasulullah. There's no bigger zulm than that. Who can be a bigger oppressor than the one who, when he was reminded of Allah's signs and Allah's verses, he turned away from it. He gave it, he gave it its, his back towards the, the, the verse of the Quran. And he forgot all those deeds that he had sent forth. So there is no greater sharr and evil than ignoring the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not spending time learning the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and at the same time having false hopes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive me my brothers and sisters the one who gives preference to his needs over the or his desires over the sharia who gives preference to this world over the next who gives preference to uh, the enjoyments of this dunya compared to the enjoyments of the akhirah who gives preference to the uh, the masalih and simply you know the, the the enjoyable comforts of this world over what Allah subhanahu wa taala actually wants from him he is a zalim he is an oppressor and then on top of that not preparing for the akhirah Nabi alayhi has mentioned hadith al kayisu nafsahu the intelligent one is the one who keeps his nafs in check keeps his nafs in check. And prepares for what is coming after death. Who follows his whims and desires. Whatever his nafs says, he says, okay. Then when you tell him, brother, fear Allah, come on, let's change. He has all these false hopes regarding Allah. That I'm a Muslim, of course I'm going to get forgiven. I come from a Muslim country, born in a Muslim country. My father was so and so pious person. My mother was so righteous. How can I not be forgiven? So what is happening? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rasulullah calls him a fool. That he is doing, continuing to lead a life of sin, but has this expectation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala must forgive him. Beloved, 
uh, brothers and sisters, a beautiful statement of Ma'ruf al-Karhi, rahimahullah, where he says, the talabul jannati bila amalin adhambun min dhunub. He says, to seek paradise without any action that is worthy of paradise is actually a sin. To seek paradise without performing any good deeds which are worthy of gaining the mercy of Allah, which would be worthy of getting us into paradise, is a sin from amongst sins. Similarly, we could say, expecting and hoping to be forgiven and be saved from the fire of hell without leaving those sins that will take us to hellfire is also another sin. Because in reality, it's like a mockery of Allah. That I will do whatever I want to do and then I expect you to forgive me. Just try that. Try If you're a teacher, you're a parent, have one of your students, your own son or daughter do that with you. When you're giving them work, when you're giving them something to do and they say, no, uh, I'm going to expect teacher, you're such a great teacher and smiling. Here's the homework. I'm going to rip it and throw it in the garbage but of course I'm going to expect a hundred from you. Right? Because you're such a nice person. Imagine how upsetting that would be for someone to uh, disrespect your orders and then on top of that have the audacity to smile at you and say, of course you're going to give me a hundred, right? I'm your favorite, right? Well, that's what we're doing. When we, uh, when we say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ghafoor rahim that's it. My actions... Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is rahim. We have to understand that this is actually extremely disrespectful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is showing disregard to His promises. It is showing the fact that we are not intimidated or scared of Jahannam or His anger. And nor are we desirous of Jannah. Because if we were properly desirous of Jannah, we would be able to have some self-control. If we were truly afraid of hellfire, we would also have some self-control. But this individual unfortunately doesn't because deep down, the yaqeen and the conviction on these, on these verses of the Qur'an and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what He has created for us on the Day of Judgment in the Akhirah rather, is something that a person is not fully understanding. Ya laytani Ya laytani is for the uh, translators, oh yani when, something, when, something, when the time for something passes and you are wishing you would have done something. Like there's a sale ended. Amazing sale. You say, Ya I wish I had bought that, right? Uh, or some other, um, you know, for you wanted to get a, catch the last flight for Hajj and you just simply made a mistake and you were lazy and you didn't. So imagine you would say the same thing, Ya um, You know, that I wish I had booked my ticket and gone, for, uh, gone on that flight. So here we go. A person will be saying after the, after the fact, Ya Rasuli Sabila. I wish I had taken a path to salvation together with the messenger. Okay, notice here, Ma'ar Rasuli is with the messenger. Let me, before I, before I uh, you know, go further, this, uh, this, this two ayats, of course, we're we going to explain it in a general sense. But there is also uh, a, a background of the revelation. Some tafsirs don't even mention that. They just focus on taking these verses and applying it to our life. But, I do also want to mention the famous incident that's mentioned in, um, in the books of, of Tafsir as well. That Uqba ibn Abi Mu'eet, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, interacted with him. He was a generous man who used to like to invite people to food, to his house. He invited the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam once in, in Makkah al-Mukarramah and the Prophet said, I'm sorry, I, I won't be able to make it. Yeah, he excused himself. Unless you are willing to accept Islam. And say, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, Ashhadu Anna Muhammad Rasulullah. I will come. So uh, he said, Oh, sure. And so this man was so 
desirous of having Rasulullah over, that he said the kalima. The Prophet went. Now he had another friend. Uqay ibn Abi Mu'id had another friend, Umayyah ibn Khalaf. When he heard this, he became extremely angry. He said, how dare you could have accepted Islam. لَقَدْ sabota. You have become a, a traitor. You become a sabi. You cannot, you, you have gone against your nation. So he did not want to. He was afraid of breaking friendship. Isn't that it? Isn't that what's happening today? People just don't want to break up friendships. So they'll do whatever. You, you start growing out your beard. A friend says, come on, man. What's wrong with you? You're, you're not in your 80s yet. Oh, really? Allah khalas. Then the next friend says the same thing. You started one, you said, Surabiyul Awwal, let me start bringing one sunnah in my life. Start growing out a beard. Two, three friends say that, done. He can't handle it anymore. Anything. You start, you start doing the miswak, you start uh, wearing a kufi, you start coming to the masjid more often. Then people start making fun of you. Because why? We spoke about this in the past as well. People who are involved in sin, they have to see you sin as well. Misery loves company. They feel very awkward, they feel very bad, they feel very guilty inside. Why is this guy studying? Uh, why is this person following the deen and I'm not? Have you ever had an uh, experience with a classmate who didn't prepare for exams? Who didn't study? What did they do the night before the exam? Many times, okay, some of them, they make toba, say, Chalaja, please help me. But then there are others who say, I'm not going to study, I'm not going to let you study either. Let's go. Let's go have a barbecue. Let's go eat out. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like this. So they don't study, but they can't see you study either because they feel bad that they're going to be the only one who failed. The one misery loves company. You say, at least if I can get you to fail, you should at least get 30, 40 points off, you know? So you'll be, you know, I don't feel so bad at the bottom. So this is what it is. The fact is that they see people who are not following the deen many times. One is a person says, my own weakness. But this is worse. He says, no, I'm not going to follow the deen and I'm not going to also allow you to do it. I'm going to make fun of you. This is the reality. Many of us are stuck in our lives because we're surrounded by such unfortunate company who do not allow us to progress spiritually. So here, and sisters know exactly what I'm speaking about too. Very, very common among sisters as well. They're trying to progress and then someone will say, what are you talking about? Imagine you have a dars of tafsir here. Right? How many other commitments happen? Literally, how many other programs happen on a Tuesday night? In the, that's why we have Tuesday night. But there is always someone pulling you in another direction. Let's go here, let's go there, let's go here, let's go there. And that's why we see it's very hard to be committed. Very hard to be committed. Uh, because you're being pulled. Not by some major event, but just random one-two friends or one-two family members who simply do not understand how important it is for you to attend regularly. That this is something I've taken upon myself and this is my lifeline. This is what I need. Just let me do it. You don't want to come? Don't stop me. I'd rather I want you to come. But if you don't want to come, then please do not become an obstacle between me and my growth, my academic, my spiritual growth. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and in this story, what happened? Uqba ibn Mu'ayt, he said to Umayyah ibn Khalf, I'm sorry. I didn't, Wallahi ma qultu thalika illa li annani ahbabtu an yakulu Muhammad indi kama yakulu nas. The only reason I, I, did, I said that was to simply get him to eat. The way other people are eating, I just want him to eat. That's it. I didn't really mean it. And Umayyah responded, he said, فَلَا يُبْرِيُكَ مِنِّي إِلَّا أَن تَثَبْ إِلَى مُحَمَّدِ فِي دَارِ النَّدْوَةِ فَتَطَعُ عُنُقَهُ وَتَبْصُقْ إِلَى آخِرِهِ That, al-a'adhu billah, he says, the only, re- the only way I'm going to let you go. Hola, who are you to let me go? Who are you? Your God? You're nobody. You're not even my dad. Who are you? That's the thing. We just can't say that to our friends, can we? All of us sitting here, think about how many people in our lives have ruined us simply because we, they have this so-called rob and awe upon us that we can't simply say, I don't care. I don't care what you say. You say, I'm not going to be your friend anymore? We're not little preschool kids. Right? We're adults. If you choose not to befriend me, I think actually I would benefit from that. 
Inshallah, when you're ready to become friends again, we can meet up again. But in the meantime, right now, this is a toxic relationship. I don't get anything out of this besides further being pushed further away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he, he didn't do that. He simply said, okay, I, I got to have you my friend. He said, okay, I'm not going to let you live like this until you go to Darul Nadwa where Rasulullah is sitting and you go spit in his face. Something as crazy as that. And Aqba ibn Amrit went ahead and did that. Because the relationships mattered. Everyone talks about today relationships, relationships. The, I've heard this all this time. Brother, in business, it's all about relationships. At what cost? What's your relationship with Allah? The brother is selling a, a, a product that's haram. It's, it's, or it's a product that is not acceptable by law. It's illegal, whatnot. But it's a relationship. He's asked me to peddle it. He's asked me to say a few words about it. He's asked me to move it on. So I knowingly, I'm going to promote something. Because why? I've been asked by someone. No, when is it? When will our morals and ethics and values come in? And to say, I'm sorry, I cannot do that. I cannot do something which is illegal. I cannot do something which is illegal by law or illegal in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your friendship in its place, I value that. But there's a limit to that. If you ask me to break my friendship with Allah, no, I'm sorry, it's not that worth it. It's not that worth. My I don't value your friendship to the level greater than that I have with Allah azza wa jal. So this is the very bitter pill that we have to be willing to swallow if we want to follow the deen, especially now. When all around us, we have people who are pushing us in a different direction. You want to follow the deen? You want to follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ? Get ready to take heat. Get ready to be yelled upon. Get ready to be called names. Get ready to be ostracized. By who? By your own family. By your own close friends. And if you're not ready, then you're not, you're not willing to pay. If you don't have the price, as they say, you know what, brother? This is, watches are 10,000 and above. Oh, come on. No, you don't have to sit here and make fun of it. It's that if you have, to have that type of money or you walk out, this is the deen. You bring the cash what we're asking for, which is un, uh, absolutely, you know, unwavering allegiance and loyalty to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all cost. Whatever He asks, you got to put it down. And if you're not willing to do it, then the door for me and you is out. And there we go. Simple as that. And as time gets closer to the Day of Judgment, closer to the fitna of Dajjal, that price keeps on going up and up and up. It's not just inflation outside that you see. The cost of deen, the cost of Jannah rather, Allah Azza wa is raising it higher. And the people around us willing to pay that price are less. So when you go ahead and buy something that is, is 10 times the price of what other people are willing to pay, what are they going to tell you? They're going to say, you're crazy. You're insane. But you know what you want. You know what you're getting. So you buy it at all cost. So we know what we want is Jannah. So our children will be made fun of in school. Our wives will be made fun of outside. We will be made fun of in work. So be it. And if you're not willing to take that, I'm sorry, we're in the wrong business. We're in the wrong business. It doesn't work like that. The deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is more valuable than anything else. Each and every sunnah of the Prophet is more valuable than every single thing, every, every, everything else. It's, it's worth it to give up everything for one sunnah. There's more value to that than anything else. But we have to tell this lesson to us and we have to buy into this. We have to have our children buy into this. We have to have our spouses buy into this. We cannot get affected by someone's relative saying something to us at a wedding. Look at how, uh, why are you dressing so modestly? Why are you making your daughter wear a scarf? These are the things people say. Oh, she's only six. Why you make her wear a scarf? Why you make her wear long sleeves? Because she's only six or eight. Subhanallah. We, we, know, we, should, we should be the ones giving da'wah. Why is it that we get affected? 
I remember when I was growing you know, people would say, oh, you're only, th-, you know, when my beard started growing out, most of the time, I, it was, of course, spent overseas. But I remember people would say, like, oh, you're only a little kid. Don't you think you should shave that? And so this is the type of pressure moms and dads will get. Your son wears a kufi. Your daughter wears modest clothing. She covers her hair at a young age. You have got nothing to feel ashamed about. You should feel proud about that. You should feel that, alhamdulillah, we are people of haya. We are, we are people of haya. We will live by example. We will not look at others. Instead, we will want others to be inspired by the way our children dress or the way we dress, the way our women dress. We do not need to feel like we are the underdog. That is your own inferiority complex. That is your, your lack of trust in the sunnah, your lack and trust in the deen, lack of understanding of the deen. If you truly understand deen, you truly understand the value of deen, read, pick up Hayat al-Sahaba, right? Read the stories of the Sahaba and Sahabiyat and the sacrifices they made. What happens? I promise you, each one of us will think, Ya Allah, I am so thankful I never have to come face to face with the Sahabi. Because literally he would think, I'm a hypocrite. Nothing, nothing less, nothing more. He would think. When you read the stories of Sahaba, you will realize we are hypocrites in front of them. And how would we ever face the Prophet ﷺ? Think about that. If the Prophet ﷺ, could you invite him over for dinner? Could you invite him over for lunch? The way we, we have our how homes, the way things are set up in our homes, the way our children are, what is our daily schedule? Could you invite the Prophet ﷺ to your house? We talk about great events, weddings, and, and so forth. People are making intizam and preparations to invite the whole town. Ask yourself in that gathering, would you be capable and, a, 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 and willing to invite the Prophet ﷺ? And would he accept that invitation? Where would you make him sit? In front? On the stage? In the back? Where would you make him sit? How would you? Put yourself in this situation and you'll get an answer of what you and I are doing is correct or incorrect. Your own fitrah, your inside you will say, Wait, hold on. This, this is giving me goosebumps right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, then you don't need a fatwa. But so-and-so gave a fatwa. So-and-so gave a fatwa. Remember, for every single sin out there, a person will find a fatwa. For every single sin, a person may find a fatwa. But subhanAllah, when a person says, I'm not, follow, I'm not looking for my nafs. I'm looking for? I'm looking for the truth. Then you will find that you might, that subhanAllah, Allah will give you such sweetness in that haq that you will never find the sweetness in any falsehood. This is because I get asked questions a lot about this. Oh, Shaykh, I found a fatwa on this. I found a fatwa. You will find. I'm telling you from right now, whatever sin, you find it for riba, you find it for khamar, you find it for gambling, you find it somewhere. I'm not saying front, front page. You'll have to maybe dig around a little bit, but you'll find it. And uh, the way things are going right now, the way the, uh, the online algorithms work, soon all of that stuff gets pushed to the front anyway right? so this is subhanAllah I'm telling you what the I'm not even whatever I'm sharing with you literally is from the tafsir I make multiple. sometimes people say what are you saying I promise you I'll tell you what I I have tafsir al-Sha'lawi right here in front of me and I have tafsir al-Nabulusi from here right? this, this is Sheikh uh, is from Syria from Egypt right? and why I like about these two tafsir is that they were these are tafsir from the masjid these are not tafsir from you know, reference tafsirs which we use to prepare for our classroom discussions. Right? These are tafsirs of Mashayikh Sheikh Sha'rawi and Dr. Nablisi that were held in their masjid. So that's why it's all practical. Practical things. Sometimes you may ask why I say this or why I say that. A lot of the things I'll say is literally based on what I'm prepared, what the Shaykh said under that ayah. Right? And so subhanAllah, it's just beautiful. Um, the, the, the fact that what, what the point, for example, Dr. Nablisi mentions on this ayah was just powerful. He says, look, he says, Allah, the disbeliever will, number one, he says, Ma'ar Rasul, why didn't I take a path with my messenger? 
Number one, what does the Quran say first? Messenger. Sabilan, path. Dr. Nabulusi doesn't even mention this, the, 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 the story of the revelation, background revelation under this. It's all about focus on yourself. Right? What does he say? He says the most important thing is having a guide in your life. That's why it's mentioned first. Ma'ar Rasul. Rasulullah is not here. But his Rasulu Rasulillah is here. Rasulu Rasulu Rasulillah is here. The, the scholars are here. God-fearing ulama and mashayikh are there. Right? Those are the people, subhanAllah, that you have to hold on to. If a person holds on to, if a person holds on to a genuine God-fearing scholar, bithinillahi ta'ala, he will be led on the right path. Majalis of knowledge and dhikr and majalis of the Qur'an. Why it's so important? Because many times we, we attend gatherings, whether I'm attending somewhere, you're attending somewhere, or you're attending here, etc. We come with a certain mindset of what we think should be halal and what we think should be haram. It's all based on our own thinking. Based on what we have re- randomly read and heard online. Which there is no heads and tails to that. But then when we come to a gathering of this sort, we meet other people. We get, attend a gathering of, of, of where scholars are present in the God, uh, audience. We're sharing notes. We're asking questions. We have follow-up questions with the speaker afterwards. What happens? Things start becoming more clear. Things start becoming more clear to us. We start realizing that oh, what mistake did I do? That's why, subhanAllah, the misguidance comes when you're disconnected from gatherings of knowledge. It's so important for us to get refinement, to realign our moral compass and our ilmi compass and our fiqh by attending the gatherings. I feel the same, 100% when I attend gatherings and listen. I like subhanAllah, many times it has happened and I know you feel the same, that I will go confused about some issue. And although the speech is not supposed to focus on that, but alhamdulillah, Allah Azza wa makes the speaker address that exact issue. And you get an answer what you, what you were looking for. You would never thought. You're just sitting there thinking, man, this is, this is bothering me. And here you go. The speaker addresses that. So he, this is the barakah of angels and ulama and pious people who attend gatherings of this sort. We don't know who they are. Innocent children, elderly people. So this is Rasul we're speaking about. Making sure that we have a guide in our lives. Beloved brothers and sisters, youngsters, adults, it is so important for all of us to find a guide. Find a murabbi, find a mentor, find a scholar that you know you have in your heart of all hearts as they say. You have this belief that on the day of judgment I can close my eyes, hold his hand and he will lead me to the Prophet ﷺ. That this man is not only a ashiq and a lover of the Prophet ﷺ, he is a true follower of the Prophet ﷺ. My beloved brothers and sisters, please do not find people who say to you what you want to hear. What, find people who will tell you what you need to hear. Major mistake. As soon as we hear someone saying something that you can keep the status quo, you don't need to change your life. We love that. We would like to have late night sessions and morning sessions and everything, you know, anything for that. We'd like to travel with that person. Why? Because he keeps on telling us, you are fine as is, no change needed. We all need to hear that. Is that that? Now look at our hypocrisy and double standards. No one wants a math tutor who tells us that you have ACT in one week, although you got 30% right, but mashallah, just you know what, you don't need to worry about it. Just, that's fine. There's more to life than math and ACT. You don't want a doctor who looks at your blood test results and are all off the charts, messed up. But he says, brother, there's only one life. Go ahead and enjoy. Here you go. Take, give me your $100 and enjoy. 
Imagine if a doctor did that to you. You think, subhanAllah, we want to sue him. Like, what kind of doctor misled me? We want a doctor that will tell us what we want, what we need to hear. Everyone wants to hear that you have a clean bill of health. Perfect, you got no problems. Everyone wants to hear that. But how much we appreciate a physician who will charge us money and then tell us, these are all the problems that you have, to, that you have and these are all the ways you have to change. You have to change your diet, you have to change your sleeping habits, you have to change your eating habits, and a whole bunch of things. We say, thank you, Dr. Saab, thank you, thank you, thank you. What about that scholar? Who will tell us, brother, look at what's happening with you. Look at the way, you're, the way you are walking, talking, the way you're dressed, the way you're eating, your income, this, that. They'll say, if I look at this, why should we sit and listen to this scholar? On the other hand, someone who says, everything you're doing is sunnah. Don't worry, we're in America. This is 2023. This is not India, Pakistan. This is not South Africa. This is not England. This is a new era. And so now, we have to follow the, when in Rome, do as, do as Romans do, finish. This is the mashallah, the biggest hadith that people quote. Right? So every single thing must be Now everyone says See, they'll take that clip and repeat it Brother, this one person may have said that I understand But look at 99 other ulama No, 999 other ulama have spoken against that In heart of all hearts Ask yourself Are you looking for the truth Or are you looking to find anything That conforms, confirms your bias and your nafs This is the difficult era we're living in right now I, I, I've told some friends Honestly speaking I said, you know what you, you need? You need if, if your wife doesn't wear hijab Tell me, a if you need a scholar who will sit down and say, MashaAllah, we enjoyed coffee together, but you know what? Let's, let's think about how can, I get your, how can you help get your wife into hijab. Who said that to you? No one. Well, that's a problem. You're hanging out. You're, not, you're, you're thinking you're doing deen, but you're not getting deen. Your son comes walking in with chains. He comes vaping in. So, okay, you need someone to say after he leaves, okay, look, what do we do with, with, with his brother? Some, someone's daughter is walking around with skimpy clothing, misses her salah, going out with friends. You need a scholar or a friend, not just a scholar, to say, you know what, I'm going to work with you. We've got to help these kids. Not to simply just sit there and chill and enjoy a barbecue together. That doesn't help me. That doesn't help him. That's a type of friend. When he sees flaws of mine, he needs to come home and sit with me and say, you know what, I'm here to help. How can I help? My flaws, my spouse's flaws, my children's flaws, whoever it is in my lifestyle, that's the type of friend we need. And that's the type of scholarly circles we need to attend. Those are the type of mashayikh we need to attend who will simply put us on the spot and to say, okay, it's all great, but what is your condition of your personal amal? I've, I've shared stories with this so many times with my students and all of you here as well that our teachers, subhanAllah, they, they, they wouldn't mess around, beat around the bush, go right to the point, right to the point. What is the condition of your nightly a'mal? How much Qur'an are you reciting? How much dhikr are you doing? With all the other greats, for my life I'm saying, for example, I'll share, I'm, Alhamdulillah, I'm doing this, do that. Oh, mashallah, it's very nice. Okay, let's, that's great. Let's get to the meat now. It shouldn't happen that you are doing great work, so-called work of deen, but, that the, but along with that, you are completely losing out on your personal relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, indulging in your, in your private life in sins that will not be forgiven due to your public life's virtue. We need people like that who can literally grab us by our ear and put us into our spot, put us into place. Who needs that? We all do. So go find someone like that in your life. Go find a scholar. Go find a, 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 ideally a scholar. Uh, as someone who's muttaqi, like I said, who is ashik of Allah and ashik of Rasulullah, loves Allah and his Rasul, and then it doesn't just ashk, then has sunnah. Because if someone says, I love Allah and his Rasul, but I want to do whatever I feel like. So there are people who do that too. They, they do bid'at and they do all sorts of innovations and they, they'll cry at Rasulullah's name, they will cry. But unfortunately, their life is not according to the sunnah. Missing, missing out their prayers, all right? missing out the sunnah, 
How do you want to know who, who is there to, who, who should you follow? The gold standard, it's not confusing. It's sunnah, sunnah, sunnah. That is why this seerah conference that we're having in three weeks' time, uh, it, it's, it's, it's going to be a very important seerah conference. But we're going to be speaking about the miracles of, of Rasulullah. But along with that, the last discussion which you're going to have with three muftis, inshallah, a panel discussion, please, you know, I think it'll be a very top notch uh, presentation, inshallah, and discussion, is about sunnah today. Because there's so much confusion. What people are being told is, whatever you're doing is sunnah. Sunnah ke maane bhai, just stick to whatever you're doing. Why you have to change? Why you have to stand up and go against the status quo? Khamakha, for no reason, don't try to become overzealous, fundamentalist, overpious, overrighteous. Just live and let live. And that is sunnah. I mean, they don't exactly say it like that, but that's kind of like what it comes out to be. Right? So now people say, okay, fine, I don't have to change. But my dear beloved students and brothers and sisters, the one who is asking you to change truly loves you more than anyone else. That's true love. Who tells us? Our mom and dad are the ones who say, Beta, this is not acceptable. Come on, please. Other people in the world won't tell us that. It's our uh, mom and dad who will say, Come on, get your act together and change. Other people don't mind you weaving out of traffic, you're doing, you're, you're, you're doing foolish things out on the street. They won't say anything. But it's our mom and dad who will get so upset at us, who will get so angry, say, What are you doing? There you go. So we all need to be in the suhbah of such people who will guide us and who will hold our hands. I want all of you say inshallah that you will look for this. You will look for this guide. You will ask after Isha right now and after Fajr tomorrow. And every day say, Ya Allah, allow me to find the suhbah and the companionship of Ahlullah. Ahlullah. The people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Awliya Allah. We're so blessed, alhamdulillah. In the next couple of weeks, we have different mashayah coming. But two Sundays from now, October 1st, we have Mufti Ibrahim Pandur, Damad Barakatum, will be coming. Inshallah, nahsibhu kadalik, that we think of him to be one of the awliya of the era, of the time. First time in America, inshallah, will be coming here Sunday, October 1st. After Sunday, after Salat al-Fajr, will be a majlis of dhikr. Attend that. And then after Asr, he'll be addressing ulama. And after Maghrib, inshallah, for the general community. October 1st, Sunday. Please make sure you're here. He's going to be speaking at uh, Makki Masjid as well, Masjid Uthman, etc. We'll be sharing it on the WhatsApp groups. Hopefully, you're, all, you're already on it. But my point is, those are people you want to connect with and the likes of him. And how do you, again, I repeat the 10th time, is you don't, want a people, you don't want people who keep on affirming your lifestyle. It's okay, everything's fine, everything's fine. No, tell me, how do I become a healthier person, man? I, I, I'm wheezing, I'm, uh, you know, I've got this problem, I got, I'm bleeding from here and there. Don't just tell me everything's fine. It's not fine. Don't worry about my feelings. I'd rather be healthy than be happy in, over my, in, that of a fake bill of clean health. That's what you want. You have to ask the ulama that I want to hear it. Tell me how do I improve? What should I do? This is my regiment daily. These are my mistakes. These are my flaws. Open up. Share your issues with someone. But maslaka and nafs. Got nafs. Nafs is so bad. It says no. For anything else in the world, we'll humble ourselves. We'll run after people. But when it comes to the islah of ourselves, we feel it's below our dignity to humble ourselves. I don't understand this. But listen, no one is God. The doctor is not God either. You don't sit there and kiss his feet because he helped Allah, you put shifa in his hands. Similarly, every single person, they may sin and falter. Every single person, even the person who's giving you good advice, the physician might be a smoker himself, but he'll tell you, hey, you know what? Don't smoke, you're gonna get lung cancer. But he may have his own flaw. What does, what does that mean? Do we stop taking advice from him? If his advice is correct, according to what medical norms teach us, we'll take it. And we're not gonna look at his actions that contradict what he's saying. Similarly, if a scholar, a person may say, well, no one's infallible. I'm the first person to tell you no one's infallible. 
Of course not. Never ever have this blind trust in anyone besides Allah and His Rasul and those who passed away from the Sahaba and the Awliya. Because for whoever is alive, they can always fall into fitna, including me and you and anyone else. So that's why when we, when we open up and share our problems with someone or have a mentor, we have to have it in moderation. We share, we say this is what it is. But this doesn't mean if they, if you just, they say jump, you just say how high, everything done. No, that zamana also is changing, honestly speaking. The, the era of mukhlisin. I'm repeating what my teachers have told me. I'm repeating to you what my elders have told me. That the era of mukhlisin is coming to an end. The era of sincere people is coming to an end. So now you cannot just blindly follow anyone. Instead, look at their statements. Look at their advice. And read the, the, the biographies and the seerah of the, of the people of the past. That's inspiring. If you want to live a life, live like the life of the mutaqaddimun, of those who've passed on, right? Even of this earlier part of the century. You say, okay, this is how you're supposed to live your life with. But when it comes to getting immediate advice, on your personal issue, it's not going to happen if you don't have someone to share with. This was all under the discussion and much more in the book under Ma'ar Rasul. First thing you need to have is you need to have a guide. Majlis of ilm like this, majlis of dhikr like this, and any other one that takes place is your Rasul. A path to uh, the, your original guide. Sabila, and then you have to take a path. <sighs> to get to paradise, my brothers, to get to medical school, to get to law school, to get to Harvard, there is, a, there is a path, what we call career path, right? There is a certain way you're going to spend your summers if you want to get to Harvard. There's a certain way you're going to spend your winter break if you want to get to a, a very elite program in the country. That is a lifestyle you have to choose as a youngster to be able to make it there. Similarly, to get to Jannah, there's a lifestyle. To get to paradise, there's a certain lifestyle. You cannot be looking at the lifestyles of others and say, if they're doing it, we can do it. No. Everyone's got a different destination in mind. If your destination is not only Jannah, but to be ma'an wa siddiqeen wa shuhada wa salihin, to be in the company of the prophets, the righteous ones, the martyrs, the pious, then there has to be the path of the pious as well. It cannot be that I'm leading a path of the one and I say that I want to be like the other. And we find that. We, we appease ourselves and we massage our own ego by saying, Inshallah, I want to be like this, I want to be like that, I want to be like him and make dua be with you in Jannah, be, make dua make with Fulan, with Jannah, with Rasulullah. Okay, where is the action? A Sahabi asked Rasulullah, Rasulullah after doing khidmah of Rasulullah, Rasulullah asked me for dua, what do you want? He said, uh, I want murafaqataka fil Jannah, I want to be with you in Jannah. Allahu Akbar, this is Nabi salam. No more powerful, no man has a more powerful dua than his. He doesn't say, okay, you did so much khidmah for me. Ya Allah, just give him jannah. He says, I need your help. I'll make the dua, but I need your help. You cannot just do dua. You need medication. Dawa. What is the dua? I need your help. What? I need you to prostrate extensively. Meaning, I need you to perform a lot of nawafil prayer. Increase your prayers. And inshallah, I'll make dua. And hopefully, we'll see you, we'll see you there. That's how it is. So if we want to be in paradise, then my beloved friends, our actions also have to speak louder than our words. Inshallah, I will continue on this discussion next week. We're not completely, uh, we're not, we haven't really completed that. Um, so uh, inshallah, we'll do so. Whatever we did share, it's, it's a lot food for thought there that was discussed. And I need it. And hopefully we all need it. And I, pr- I pray Allah allows us to internalize that. Inshallah. I just want to, 
I think we only got like five minutes, so I'll take a couple of quick questions because I haven't been able to take questions for the past couple of weeks. Quick, uh, precise questions that have to do with our topic, I prefer, please. Um, and uh, Slido 4955870, at slido.com. And if you do not get weekly tafsir updates or you do not get flyers uh, for the, all the other masjid events, like tonight we have uh, Qari, mashallah, from Pakistan who's going to be reciting immediately after Isha. If you did not get that message, please take a picture of the events group so that you are connected with all our uh, programs, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, the Sunday school is up and running. Please consider joining your 6, or 16, six to 16 year old boys and girls in the program. And the weekend tafim program also, alhamdulillah, is continuing. These are the classes that are there. Um, and these are some of our community programs. Every Wednesday, 8 to 10 for brothers volleyball tomorrow. And Thursday will be basketball for the brothers. Tonight, 8 to 10 is the sisters basketball. And these are, you can take a picture of this. These are Mulana, uh, Mufti Pandor's programs, inshallah, as he's going to be coming next week that I was referring to. Can Darussalam help us find a mentor? Yes, you know, email, inshallah. We'll figure out what your situation is and to guide you, inshallah, in that, in that uh, way. Um, whenever I say to my friends to, be, to, uh, to participate in namaz with me, they say, don't be a molvi and be cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I'm speaking about. So if they, if you, if either you will be able to change them, and if you notice that you're not able to change them, they're changing you, then you need to part ways. You've got to pray salah before you come. Because don't hang out with people who are, uh, who are who, who, because naturally, if a person is a smoker, you can smell smoke off of him. Imagine if a person never prays salah. You don't think there's no husa and evil around him? And if you spend hours with that, you don't think it's going to rub off? Well, for business sake, in and out, yes. But to spend leisure time in the company of people who don't pray and who rather make fun of people who pray, it's very dangerous. Can you please expand on the era why Mukhlasin are ending? Is because as we, as we get closer to the era of Dajjal and the end of times, uh, it, the following the deen is becoming harder and harder. And people will be uh, following the nafs more and more. And, um, and that's what's happening right now. People, the, the, these, these are the signs of the hour where people will begin to worship the nafs. And so when you have people who worship the nafs, ikhlas will become extremely difficult to find. Dua and Quranic ayah for removal of bad habits. Um, one is that a person asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, generally speaking, what dua? Uh, ya Allah, get rid of these things. Number two, Hizbul Adam or, or Munajat Maqbul have a collection of prophetic du'as, 200 du'as of the Prophet ﷺ. You can read one section of that every day. You can get it from the bookstore outside. There's a bookstall there and downstairs as well. Uh, Munajat Maqbul or Hizbul, um, um, uh, Hizbul Adam. Or the sevens I have mentioned in many tafsirs in the past and I have shared it in many groups as well. That is something that the, the seven Surah Fatiha, Aytul Kursi, and the last four Qul, etc. That is also very effective in helping get rid of uh, bad habits. Okay, take it. Inshallah. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanakallah, bihamdi, inshallah, ilaha illa ant, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Please. Inshallah, we have uh, immediately after Salat al Isha, before the Sunnah. We'll have Qari Ibrahim Casey, inshallah, who's one of the chief Qurra of Pakistan, visiting Chicagoland area in the United States first time. So please uh, honor the Quran and honor him 
and be uh, you know patient and join in the listening to the recitation inshallah immediately after salatul uh, isha and then afterwards you can pray your sunnah and have the snacks outside inshallah jazakallahu khairan subhanallah wa bihamdihi subhanakallahumma wa bihamdihi wa la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik